friends, welcome to episode 172 of Storyteller Conclave. This is a show all about helping you run the best tabletop role-playing game that you can, whether you're a new storyteller or dungeon master learning the craft, or an experienced storyteller looking to take your game to the next level. I'm Sarah. And I'm Rob. And I am experiencing all sorts of technical difficulties over here. You're doing fine. Uh, so, for some reason, my tablet is not grabbing the network, but it says it's connected. Let's try this. So, And you forgot your phone. And I forgot my phone. So you don't even so have Discord. I am just batting a thousand over here, guys. It's it's quite all right. Uh, not a lot has happened between us in the last, at least uh, storyteller and storyteller style, um, because we haven't been in any games. We've been uh, we've been busy with work. I think is the biggest thing. Yeah, I think uh, you've had a lot of stuff going on. You had some home improvements going on. Yeah, you yes, had some yes, social I... engagements going on. Just. Trying to survive. <laughs> it's it's been pretty packed. I know uh, uh, Sean and I are the least peoply people that you know. And you've um, been peopling. And we've been peopling. I've uh, been kind of surprised about but that. But then last last weekend, uh, Sean was like, "What's going on this weekend?" I'm like, "Nothing. I think I think we're completely, you know, free this weekend." He's like, "Oh, thank God." <laughs> yeah, it's time to nap. Yeah. No, I I get that. I I think there's a, a certain point in the summer since you know being here in Michigan, we 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 basically have two seasons, not and then maybe. And like the season of maybe is is it is it really bad weather? Is it, you know, uh is it, you know, raining too hard or is there just so much construction between here and there that we really don't want to yep or we can't yep uh right now we're kind of in the heat of every road is under construction so that uh that makes it i, I guess a little bit better to say like i'm sorry i can't make it why because between me and you is 45 minutes and of, of pure construction and we're literally a five minute drive away yeah normally yeah so yeah, yeah it's it's definitely been a little challenging but uh Hopefully we'll see some ends to some of that uh, before the end of even this month and be able to, like, relax a little bit. I think fall is almost better. Yeah, I think fall is better. And, you know, August is always a busy month because, like, your your birthday, mm -hmm. like, three of our friends have birthdays in August. It's, it's true. Just, it's true. It's always so packed. And I just, you know, and, and July is always packed, just as packed. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a very busy summer. Yeah. yeah, it really is. So it's hell for scheduling games. I know that much. Oh yeah, yeah. I was actually very surprised we got to play my game during the month of August because I mm -hmm. I almost I almost write August off entirely. Yeah, and I haven't even scheduled my next session yet Neither to I. finish up the to the wrap up the adventure because I know the tie into the end of the month into the month is always challenging to kind of fit some people who have kids, yep. you know, or people who are trying to squeeze things in or get things done before you know the 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 uh, Labor Day. Labor Day Labor Day starts kicking in, and that that sets the fall season and starts things rolling with people going back to school, people going back to college. This yeah. is why uh, this is why people were joking about the D and D movie. They said they should only allow you to watch the first hour of it, uh -huh. and then you have to schedule with your six other friends to watch the other half. No, totally makes sense. <laughs> that totally makes sense. So, all right. Well, today we're kind of having we're we're re re revisiting an old topic. That I've seen kind of revisited online between a lot of different shows. And we've done a lot since the last time. I think it was, what, episode 90, was it? It was, yeah, it was a while ago. Yeah, uh, I, we, I, I put we it in here. covered this topic already, but um, uh, we wanted to, you know, it's, like I said, it's been a while. We've learned a lot. Yeah, the beginning of 2021. So it was uh, January of 2021. It was episode 90, and we are now in 172. So I, I think it's okay that we revisit this. It doesn't feel like we've done it too much. Um, so 
when we talk about things that we've learned, I think instead of rehashing episode 90, well, I think there's a few elements there that you pulled out that were perfect that we, we definitely need to go over. But I also think, like, there's still topics that are that came out of just doing this show that made that I think I realized doing out of the show were, were was way more important mm-hmm. uh, than not even way more important, but definitely came out as things that I wish I would have known. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but we'll let's hit some of the stuff that uh, that came out from uh, episode 90. That's still very relevant. Still very relevant. Um, uh, so first off, um, I know a lot of a lot of new storytellers, uh, myself included, um, when you are uh trying to start a new game maybe this is your first game maybe this is a new game after you've been uh playing for a while um and you're just starting with another rule system and whatnot there's a lot of pressure that us storytellers put on ourselves to memorize the entire rule book so that you can you know you're right off the bat you know exactly what to do in every situation and i mean that's good and all but the thing i wish i knew was that you don't need to know all of the rules like, learn the core mechanics. Learn what the game system is trying to intend in its resolution mechanics. Mm-hmm. And you can adjudicate on the fly if you understand what the game is trying to do. Yeah, and, and how it's meant to be played. Mm-hmm. Whether it's meant to be played quick, whether it's meant to be played in a lot of detail, uh, whether it's, you know, not just to say that it is it is a pile of D6s mm-hmm. or it's, a, you know, better than on a D20 or it's you know sets of d10s you know your a percentile chance you yeah, know something yeah. like that all of those have weight but really the game system leans into a direction mm-hmm. um and that direction is dictated by the mechanics but not all of the rules usually there's one or two rules that really di- that really point everything out in the system um and we we try and do this with our system spotlights but you can see it more obviously in in the tactical games than you can in the narrative games. But, I mean, the narrative games still teach you, like, what is your approach? How are you coming at this – how are you coming at something to a resolution? And, I mean, it's a skill role or it's an attack role in in a tactical game. Most of your narrative games are going to have – I mean, even even narrative games are going to have something like a a skill resolution Mm -hmm. chart where it's going to be like – uh, okay, here's your difficulties. Like, 5 is easy, 10 is, yeah. you know, hard, uh, 15 is pretty darn difficult, and 20 is nearly impossible. Exactly. You know, as long as you know that, mm-hmm. okay, yep. well, what are you trying to do? Well, I'm trying to pick a lock. Uh, this is pretty hard, so it's a 12. There you go. Yep, cool. exactly. Cool, done. You yep. know, bosh, whatever. We, or we, we can move on. Yep. There might be complex lockpicking mechanics, but... You don't you, need it. You don't need it. You can look it up later. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the other thing is that when, you know, run your game. Just run your game. And when you do run into those situations where you're like, oh, I actually don't know the rules for that, jot that down. Mm-hmm. Now you've got homework. Yep. You know which to study next. And you build that knowledge base as you go, as you play, as everybody gains experience. Your players don't know what the hell's going on either. Chances are your players know 10% of what you know about the game. Right. So, and on the flip side of that, if you are a player who knows a lot, help. Just just help, but but don't be a nag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't stop the game mm-hmm. because of a rule. 
It's meant to be played. It's not a tabletop game, like a board game where the rules mean something because you're each in competition. Oh, man, to have a beneficent rules lawyer at your table is just mm-hmm. a beautiful thing. And yep. I have, I think I have two of them. Yeah, depending on the I, sessions. I yeah. think both Matthew and Sean mm-hmm. uh, are, are like... Like I said, the beneficent rules lawyers. Like, oh, I I forgot what the ruling on this. It's on page one forty seven. It says to do this. Cool. Thank you. Yep. Yep. Done. No, yep. nobody's trying to push their own agenda. They're not. Mm-hmm. Well, um, actually, or yeah. you know, there's nothing. There's no critical about it. It's just, oh man, that is beautiful when you have one of those players at your table. Yep. I mean, and and I think that lends well to the second one, uh, in a lot of ways, and that is is that you don't need to have a bunch of stuff you don't need to have all the books like in the case i i remember back when i was in uh playing uh D second edition uh-huh. and you had to have all of the like the rangers guy the barbarians guy oh you know, yeah you know yeah. Uh, Rose guy. you had to have these guys because everybody wanted to play some specialty thing in it and because of that you needed to know about it as a storyteller i'll tell you what that's not even that's not even a D second thing like fifth edition has hit that point it i has, saw definitely. a thread i think on on reddit earlier that was like is it okay to play with just the player's handbook, Xanathar's guide, Volo's guide, and uh, some uh, T- and Tasha's cauldron of everything? Is it okay if I only play with those books? Only those books. Only with those an S? Bo- Only the player's hand guide and three of the biggest, you know, expansion books. Yeah, yeah, I think that's fine. I think you know? you're. I think you're fine. I think you're fine. I think it's more than um, content. But yeah, I mean, for me, it comes down to like I remember wanting to play with minis and if i didn't play with minis and a board and a mat and terrain i wasn't doing D justice mm-hmm. i wasn't doing the tactical times of uh, of those games justice i wasn't showing my players enough yeah yeah and i that's untrue that it, you do not need those things you can do a lot with almost nothing I almost, I almost feel like it's, it's a little duplicitous of, or at least from my standpoint, mm-hmm. from my standpoint, I'm not trying to speak for you. Of course. Uh, to, to have, you don't need a lot of books, tools, and minis on here as a thing I wish I knew because, uh, I did grow up without any of the minis or any of the books or anything like that. Like I had, uh, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles book and some loose leaf paper. We didn't even have proper, you know, character sheets. Yeah. Let alone things like D and D Beyond or like fillable PDFs. Like that technology just didn't exist. One of I think I still have notebook sheets of Palladium handmade character yep. sheets. Yep. That I made for friends so that they could fill it in. Yep. Because yep. there was a lot of data that was needed for Palladium. Do you remember having to go to the library and, and use pay the photocopier? Like Ten cents for a photocopy. It was ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. It was it was epically expensive to try and and prohibitively expensive to try and get stuff printed off. But but yeah, I mean, you had to pay copied. pay per copy, you yeah. know, for it. It was yeah, and and then like you had the the character sheets in the back of the book, permission mm-hmm. to photocopy for personal use written on mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. So yeah, no, that, I... that's how we got stuff done. We didn't have printers and fillable PDFs and stuff of that, you know. Yeah. Let alone, uh, but then like even with the minis and stuff, mm-hmm. um, I wanted to do that. That was my hobby at the time, right. and then I got into D and D afterwards. So yeah. I o- I've always just had the minis. That's always just been a part of my thing. But um. I don't know that I necessarily need them. I, I do theater of the mind's eye just as well. Yeah, I think a lot of times in your game, a lot of your sessions, we don't even pull them out. Yeah. Like, they yeah. may sit on the table. I didn't even bring them to the game last last session. 
No, I don't. I think was like, so. yeah, we're not getting in combat. Like, and and if we do, it's going to be a dramatic task. It's not going to mm-hmm. be a yeah. You know, it's not a tactical. Thing. Exactly. Exactly. So. So, I would say one of the big things that stretches beyond, uh, and and really kind of looks at what we've done, especially with the system spotlights, um, is that I really wish when I had started that I had examined more systems. Yeah. I don't necessarily, like, I starting with Palladium taught me a lot about myself. Mm-hmm. It taught me a lot about how I could storytell. It gave me some very vivid uh, mixes between sci-fi and fantasy. So it gave me a breadth to be able to do things and look at the world differently and and look at gaming differently. Like, I wasn't just stuck with Tolkien or Tolkien. I wasn't stuck with, you know, romping in dungeons. Yeah, yeah. And I think I, I kind of wish I wasn't stuck. <laughs> Pardon me. Bless you. I wasn't stuck with D20 in my brain. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I was, I benefited by stepping over to 7C and stepping away from D20. Yeah, I, I agree. Did for, for as long as I did. Mm-hmm. Like, I really, I played in a few games, but not much. Um. But it really it it broadened my horizon and gave me more of a narrative edge. Even though that game is uh, has enough tacticals in it, yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, but I I wanted to play more narrative. I wanted to understand how to do better stories and narrative, and I didn't have a good grasp of it. Yeah. And now, yeah. A- after all the stuff, I've, there, there's so many better. I'll I'll use the term loosely: mechanics, the rules, their guidelines, the procedures that help you through narrative gameplay with others mm-hmm. who are used to a more procedural design mm-hmm. because you need for people who are coming from those genres like D and stuff where you your theater of the mind's eye is wonderful for imagery but it doesn't help you with what do i do and how do i do it yeah yeah you know where are my limitations um what is what can i do like, how do I ha- – and not even so much what can I do, but how do I get to describing it to you? Where, what, what is the right phrasing? What's the language? Yeah, yeah. And I think that by stepping in into other games, you gain that. You gain that insight. I was I was lucky enough to, uh, uh, to go away for college, and uh, I fell in with a whole new group of friends while I was up there, a bunch of a really big gaming crowd uh, that all attended the same – uh, vampire LARP that yep. I was in, and um, so I like I brought my Palladium books with me and some of my D and D books, and I was like, "Hey, I'm gonna run a game while I'm up there for my new college buddies." I was like, "Hey, who wants to play D and D?" And they're like, "Meh, we're we're running we're running a really cool Changeling the uh you know campaign right now," and I'm like, "Oh, Changeling." Yeah. And, uh, you know, I would go over to my friend's house and, uh, he had like all, like, you know, all, the all, the, all the white wolf books. Yeah. yeah that created the, 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 the picture when you lined them all the up. The tapestry. Yeah. yeah. It's beautiful. Um, and so like, I knew what, I knew what type of crowd I was, I was running with. And so they got me into white wolf games mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And that was kind of my branch into narrative gaming. Yeah. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong there. They still had a, uh. We did a gaming award thing with the LARP mm-hmm. at the end of the year, mm-hmm. and uh, the uh, one of the awards was the Hadrian Drake Grand Clave Award for Excellence in Power Gaming. Fair. 
and the entire werewolf genre. <laughs> got, got it. So no, that that makes sense. That makes sense. There's there's a lot of power gaming there's, in the werewolf. There's genre. there's still there's still some tactical combat heavy. You know, yada yada. yada. It's not it's not entirely narrative, but uh, by and large, Vampire the Masquerade a lot more uh, in in World of Darkness in general a lot more narrative heavy. So I was lucky to have branched out into that. Yeah, and that. Well, that and, and BattleTech. I mean, my awkward teenage years were all BattleTech. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, like, honestly, I didn't really get into into, into D and D until college. You know, when yeah. when third edition came out. So. But I do feel that it's daunting. I think, um, I think the comment that Knox makes uh, in the live chat kind of applies to this very well, and that is allowing self uh, all the self qualifiers we put on ourselves before we allow ourselves to play a game that uh, that doesn't care about that. Yeah. And I think that's true for storytelling is you get to the same thing as like, I need to be X. I need to know X and then I can run X. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's true. No. I think that uh, you can step into something fresh and unknown and just fuck around and find out. Yeah. And I I would encourage more people to do that. Mm-hmm. I think that um, there are so many great systems out there. there are, there's now so many resources out there to explore them. Yeah. Well, I mean, honestly, that's that's the main reason we do our monthly system spotlights mm-hmm. is not only to help us learn something, but to introduce you guys to all of this as well, you know, and to be like, hey, there's this other system out there. If you've been thinking about doing a space game, it's called Stars Without Numbers. Mm-hmm. I didn't hear about it until last week, but here we are, yeah. you know. Um, and if I'm finding out about it, you guys are finding out about it, and it expands everyone's horizons. Yeah, you know? and I mean, we we've got a system spotlight coming up. That's a that was a Kickstarter that just happened, which I I, I did another read of the, the the preview on it, and it's it's going to surprise you. Yeah, it'll be another surprise for us of something that we've never explored. Some a, a look at a way of gaming that is different. Mm. Again, I forgot. I, I didn't look at the schedule. Which one is it? Um. Well, I I don't want to. I don't want to say until oh, it comes up because okay, I, well, I, I I want you to get a little exploration. It's going to be a surprise it's to always, everybody, I including love, me. I love good surprises, but uh, yeah, the uh, uh, I have to get my hands on the actual book still. Fair enough. Um, but I've got enough that we could do. We could still do it. But uh, regardless, uh, basically, I'm not saying that you should run a lot of games. Although it's a great idea to do that, I think it's still good to explore them. Mm-hmm. And I think we have the point and quick starters and things that you have access to that. Uh, that you can get access to that I think you should explore because there are games that teach you that they are tactical, that that it's a smash and fight. And that's what you want to, if that's what you want to do, you know, go play that, go run that, go enjoy that and lean into it. Yeah. You know, yeah, run yeah. your dungeon, bring your, your boys out and go, you know, go gang wars on, on something, but in, enjoy it, mm-hmm. you know, but there are plenty of narratives out there where you roll the dice when it's necessary mm-hmm. or when it's, important or the challenge has meaning or or it's going to affect them and enjoy those narrative stories tell a story sit around a fire and, and enjoy it like some campfire gaming can be pretty amazing yeah absolutely i mean you've experienced it way more than i have mm-hmm. you know and there are short story games lady blackbird is a, a good example of a short story game where you're you start in media res <coughs> Ooh. are you not a tea fish <coughs> so um Tip for our listeners out there: It is breathe air, drink tea, not the other way around. Okay, <coughs> just to be fair, that is the way it should Ooh. go. Hot I'm sorry, everybody. Yeah, uh, the end all be all of it. Here, let me see if we can get you a little bit of protection here, so you don't immediately. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow! 
You gonna be alright over there? Oh, I'm fine. Yeah. Okay. Just, okay. I gotta work through it. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. <clears throat> but the uh, I think the end all be all of it for me is is that there is always a system out there to a enjoy with your friends that your friends will enjoy. You just have to figure out what people like, and sometimes that's a terrifying thing to get to. Oh, it is. It is. Yeah. You know, you think it's hard picking the toppings on a pizza when you have six people. Try trying to figure out what game system to play in a in a world right now where we have thousands. Right, right, and I, you know, I, I I I commented, you know, when I when we were collaborating on this show, and and uh, you put this on the list, I was like, I don't think. I, I mean, p- storytellers knowing that there are other game systems out there is certainly a thing. You know, there are people who are just like, oh, I played D&D, you know, and I, I remember having a conversation actually with Knox in the Box uh, uh, when, uh, you know, very early on uh, where he said like, hey, I want you to run a and d game for me. I said, okay, cool. I said, you know, you want to role play? He said, yeah. I said, what game do you want to play? Because you don't necessarily have to play D&D. Mm-hmm. And that blew his mind. He was like, there are other games? And I'm like, oh. Oh, Sweet Summer oh, Child. Oh, Knocks in the Box. Sweet Summer Child. Um, and, yeah, we ended up actually playing Aberrant for a, for a hot minute. Which is great. Um, which was which was pretty cool. But uh, uh, that's part of it. But I think, like, one of the other big things that I see online is uh, storytellers saying that, like, yeah, there are other games out there. In fact, I want to actively play other games, but I can't get my group to agree to play anything other than D&D. Ah, uh, the, the the Friday night, what do we get for dinner or where do we go for dinner comment. Yeah. Like, two people sitting down going after work going, hey, what do you want for dinner? And it's a choice between we could do pizza again. We could eat in. Or we could go out and find a new restaurant. And we could explore the city a little bit mm-hmm. and, um, you know, find a restaurant we've never eaten at before. Maybe something a little pricier if we've gotten our budget. You know, mm-hmm. have a flavor experience. Have a food adventure. You know, learn a, a new place. Learn a new dish. Mm-hmm. You know, something like that. Or we could do the old and familiar. Yeah. Again. And, and and it's it, like yeah, but the yeah the, the then food I gotta adventure put pants sounds, on. Yeah, the and, food adventure sounds difficult. I got to put pants on for that. And and then you're back to just eating pizza. And, and what if I don't like it? And you're unsatisfied because yeah, it's what you know, it's what you're comfortable with, but it's, you haven't gone out and expanded and, your horizons. And all. maybe one of you is going to get the toppings that you want or the flavor that you're looking for. Yeah, you know, and now you've got six people at a table. Who all are like, you know, I, I am hungry for something. You know, can we get something spicy tonight? I guess we could get spicy wings. We always do spicy wings and pizza. Like, can, can we try something different? Uh, I don't know if I have the strength to go out. Yeah. Well, come on. I'll take you. you know, we'll, we'll, get, we'll do it together. And you know, that's, kind of a that's, thing. that's why you end up with so many, like, D&D homebrews. Because mm-hmm. it's like, well, I want something spicy, but we're not adventurous to not en- enough to not get pizza. So can we just put jalapenos on the pizza? Yeah. You know? Or let me see what I got in the cabinet. Can we make spicy D&D? Right. Well, D&D doesn't really handle spicy all that well. All right. Well, maybe I can find some house rules for it, you know? Why do I feel like that's its own podcast, Spicy D&D? Spicy D&D. <laughs> D&D After Dark. That's right. Um... And and I'm going to say it. Sarah and I did have a much deeper discussion that led to ridiculous hilarity. But because of the fact that we'd like to stay in on Apple Podcasts for now, we're going to use a food analogy because my other analogy was a little um 
what's the word we use? Racy? Blue? Blue, yes. <laughs> let's use blue. That's great. That's a great way of saying it. So we're not going to go into that. Uh, I will say this. If the Patreons ask us enough, we may do a side comment <laughs> commentary on that for anybody who's over on that side. Uh, All right. Let's move on. We're going to move on from there. We're going to leave that one. We'll just leave it aside. More lore is not better lore. Oh, my God. Is that so true? This is this is a hard-learned lesson for a lot of news storytellers. You are very – you're young. You're excited. You've written all this, this world-building and stuff like that, and you just want to show it to your players. And you end up doing encyclopedic lore dumps that don't feel like part of the game. They just feel like you ranting at your players for 20, 30 minutes yeah. about the – thousand years worth of intricate history between these two kingdoms which they could care less about not that they don't care about you and your story it's that it's too much right 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 it's not their character doesn't have any relevance to what happened ten thousand years ago exactly and that's that's hard yeah that it's hard to accept as a storyteller because you've put a lot of in your mind it's all meaningful because it all connects it all interweaves yeah. in your head it works yeah absolutely absolutely i mean hell you asked me a, you asked me a question about my game earlier and you were just like well what's i mean is there kind of like a church you know like establishment a, a full ecclesiastic oh, establishment establishment but... and i i went for like tw- probably what 15 minutes about like how religion across tamriel is yeah <laughs> a, a wide and varied thing but everybody just kind of uses the empires because the empire is kind of in charge right now and the right. empire just says Adra good daedra bad you know um but i i put so much more detail into it and i was like so does that answer your question and you're like yeah <laughs> no and in, in, in the end what it really came down to is what matters for the story yeah and what matters for my character like, where do those two things cross? Okay, that's the plot that matters, and that's, that's where, the lore yeah, matters. That's where you want to find it, is how yeah. does this apply to me? That's right. You know? And I, I think one of the best things that you can get is when a player looks at you and says, so what about that? Like, what do I know about that? Well, let me tell you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And now they have an interest in it. Now that can be plot. I always try to use the, the, uh, the set design scheme of, like, how far do you show your players? And the answer is... Only as far as they can see. Yeah. Because the NPCs who are around them don't know either. And mm-hmm. probably know a lot less. Because they've not they're not traveled, they're not versed, you know. You might have one who's a lore master, but everybody else just lives where they live. They might know something that's a little bit farther because they traveled to where they are currently at. Mm-hmm. And that's a, that makes them a unique character within the story. But not everybody is that way. Not every single person that's in this community is is a unique flower who has a huge striking backstory that that talks about some unique piece of lore that everyone needs to know about. De- dead honest, sometimes the lore isn't even all that interesting. No, like from from an interactive standpoint, like okay, it's it's interesting that you have a thousand years of history and stuff like that, but like, does that change anything day to day? Are people excited about that? In your story, in your narrative. Right. No, it's just a bunch of old crap that happened a thousand years ago to them. Right. It, But the important part is it happened. I mm-hmm. mean, they'll acknowledge it. There might be like some holiday that they do, you know. Right. But I think the important thing to your lore is not dumping it, but instead giving it organically, you know. Yeah. Okay, you get into the town. Uh, there are a bunch of streamers and stuff like that and uh, kind of a festival atmosphere because it's the Harvest Festival today. What do you guys want to do? Mm-hmm. That's it. That's your lore dump. Oh, it's a harvest festival? Yeah, he does this happen. It happens every year right around this time. Okay. Okay. 
It's great. So it's just run of the mill. Yeah, it's just run of the mill. It's just Harvest Festival. It's like me saying that it's Thanksgiving. Yeah, and you know, what's like, great about that is in a lot of stories, players have the ability to do minor alterations. So, like, maybe during this one of the scenes, they're just like, hey, that's right, it's the Harvest Festival. You know what? I'm going to spend a token. Okay, what do you want to alter? At this Harvest Festival, there's a deity that's involved that they sometimes dress up as. Like, you know, like the dragons and dragon festivals and things like that. There's something there, and I'm going to put on one of those costumes so I can navigate through. That's how I'm going to stealth. Mm-hmm. All right, sounds great. You are sure. jean Ja. Which is this large toad that comes through the town slowly, but he's got a big shell that's golden. Cool. And you get you get the opportunity to organically lore dump now, you know. Yep. Like, and boom. Now what, what would happen if I did this? Well let me tell you what's lore appropriate. Right, you know? right. Oh, oh, how did you mess it up? Yeah. You know? Yeah, exactly. And those kind of things open up those doors. They leave blank spaces for your players to be a little extra creativity yeah. in their creativity. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, yes, there is a thieves guild here. They've been operating for a thousand years. It passes down over, you know, through guildmaster to guildmaster. Do they players need to know that? No. That that's all they needed to know. Boom! Like there's your thief. Your thief now knows everything they need to know about this area. It is a honored group. Okay. Sure. There's a lot of respect that goes on there. That's what they need to know. Mm-hmm. Okay. So if they've been around for that long, what about this? I don't know. Sure. Go do, figure they, it out. do they need flowcharts of, of their organization? No. no, they do not. They don't need to know the last five masters. Yeah, exactly. So, what is a what is a tabletop role playing game? It is not a video game. It is not a video game. It is not a book. It is not a novel. Yes, uh, this is one that was uh, uh, I put on this list because I started thinking back to my very first campaign, um, my my first like fantasy campaign, anyways. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was, I, I think I just gotten done playing Final Fantasy IV, uh, and I was, like, heavily influenced by that, and I was, looking back on it, I was trying my level best to recreate my, my own Final Fantasy game. Yeah, without um, a doubt. You also and, aged yourself just now. But yeah, that's okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I have no secret that I'm old. No. Um... But uh, uh, I, I, I remember doing a lot of, like, you know, I've, oh, I've got these cool scenes that I want to happen. Oh, yeah, and, that's my you know, be- Because you've got, you know, these in- – you draw the influence from the video games and the movies and the books and stuff like that where these cool scenes happen. Mm-hmm. And you want those scenes to happen in your game, you know. Yeah. You want them to happen organically. And I, I don't think the, like, the critical role – I also want to say the Matt Mercer effect, you know, sort of thing has helped this any. Not in the Because least. now people see it actually happening in D&D. Mm-hmm. And they take they, – they equate uh, trained award-winning actors playing D&D and making a cool scene. Not, not even just actors. Creators. Out of improv. Yeah. yeah. As – Oh, a cool scene happened. Therefore, I want that cool scene to happen in my game as well. And don't realize that it takes award-winning actors and creators to do this. Right. You know, um, but uh, you get so locked up into I want these cool scenes from my books and my media and my video games to happen that you don't realize that you can't really force it in in your games. Mm-hmm. There's to a certain extent you can with like hard moves and stuff like that, but like. You don't want to be forcing things to happen all the time. 
Mm-hmm. You want to leave a lot of agency for your players and allow your players to create those cool scenes on their own, you know? Yeah, most definitely. You're not a director. You're not a programmer. You're not a videographer or, mm-hmm. you know, or anything like that. You're not trying to create the cool scenes. You want the players to have the cool scenes and you want to react to that and give them a good time, you know? Without a doubt. Um, and if you don't leave room for that agency you know you're left up with either railroading or improving you know mm-hmm. and, and i i think i think railroading for an effect can feel even worse yeah yeah railroading for an effect can feel even worse because not only are you as the storyteller who's trying to get to that point disappointed but your players have no idea that that's where you're going and it just feels awkward the whole way mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. it's 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 as awkward as the nudge nudge wink wink know what i mean know what i mean yeah yeah no i've no idea what you're talking about (laughs) and worse yet like when i back in the day when i was when i was doing this a lot um i i would i say back in the day god i I was doing this as of five years ago Mm -hmm. uh i was stuff like you know oh when when character x does this i'm gonna do this and then character x never does that thing or even comes close to it they look at the thing that you tried to set up for them and go Nope, that's an obvious trap, and leave. Mm-hmm. And you're like, but, but you didn't go in. And if you didn't go in, then I can't do the epic, epic monologue, cool scene that I had written and scripted. Yeah. What do I do now? You know. And so- but I, I don't think that I I don't think that that problem is exclusive to us. And I, the more I think about it, it's and not. The, the more I look at like some of the let's plays, even mm-hmm. from some of the top storytellers who've. You could see it in their eyes when a scene didn't unfold like they thought it would. Yeah, sure. And it's just as devastating, if not more, because they realized they fell into their own trap. Yeah, yeah. They made their own mistake. They were trying to do a scene. Yeah. And it didn't happen. And now they're like, this isn't a show. Crap, I can't do that. Some of my best games, though, Mm -hmm. have been ones where I have written scenes... You, there's there's a right way and a wrong way to do it, right? Agreed. There's a the the wrong way to do it is to be like, here's an invisible line that my players have to follow, and if they don't follow it, everything falls apart. Mm-hmm. The right way to do it, I found, is you just have momentum in a certain direction, mm-hmm. and like when things get to a certain point, this event is just gonna happen, and that's what we call a hard move, you know. Right. Um, and then you can have those scenes where, like, okay, this event is ha- – Godzilla is attacking the city now. Yeah. But you can't stop that. You right. know, the uh, the, 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 um, the balcony speech that Yorda gave to rile up the uh, – the, the, um, the hard move. The crowd and stuff at like that, um, you know, where it was like, okay, there's a candlelight vigil and you guys went to it. Mm-hmm. You made some rolls to see if you could spot anybody. Um, you know, you, you, you didn't ask the right questions. You didn't look for the right things. Uh, you didn't do anything to stop this from happening necessarily. And that's not a bad thing. That wasn't a mark against you. It was just that you didn't interfere with this Mm -hmm. event being set in motion. So now it happens, Mm -hmm. you know, and you could have derailed it. I'd have been disappointed because I wouldn't have been able to give my speech. Right. But, you know. Yeah, and, and find another way to do that hard move, you know? But you also stated that it was a hard move, that there is going to be a hard move. Yeah. So that when that event occurred, we weren't immediately like, I'm I'm immediately, you know, firing a firebolt at his face. Yeah, 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 yeah. Face. yeah. Like, no, that's, this is a hard move. 
that's not what's happening. Also, that's not the type of game we're playing. Right, exactly. You know, exactly. This isn't a high tactical game where, like, you know, and I think this goes into the next one, which is that video game mechanics don't apply. Yeah. This isn't a cut scene that then gets cut into action. Right. You don't get to press start start to skip the cut scene and then and, and immediately know. start attacking. Yeah. Likewise, like you don't get to attack through the cutscene, mm-hmm. you know, because you let you let something off that was waiting in the corner for that if that happens, you know. And I think that is the, that goes both directions. If a player is role playing and is is doing something mm-hmm. actively involved in the story, don't cut that short. Yeah. See, I, I'm I'm a big defender of the monologue. Yeah, you know, I know, I know, I know. There's, there's, there's always that joke about, oh, the villain is monologuing. Don't let the monologue just shoot them, right? You know, sort of thing. But no, let let the villain monologue. Please let the villain monologue. Mm-hmm. I'm begging you to let the villain monologue because that's where you're gonna get the most plot exposition. You're gonna see a piece of the villain's soul right there, and right. with it, you're gonna get to see a piece of your storyteller's soul because they wrote that monologue. Yeah, let him monologue. And and the worst part is, is that I, because of the groups that I started with mm-hmm. and where I went to, I still am afraid of a monologue. So I don't tend to write them. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Because, because my tactical players will just cut it off. Yep. They won't want to hear it. Yep. Yep. It's not important to them. The story, that part of the story is not important to them. Uh, I was talking to Sean about villain monologues at one point and, uh, he was, uh, he was like, they're just stalling. You've seen Watchmen. Like, you've read Watchmen. You know, it's Ozymandias. Like, you know, do you think I would tell you all of this if there was any chance you could stop me? I did it 45 minutes ago, you know? Right. What do you think I am? Some comic book villain? Right. Um, One of the funniest lines a comic book villain it, has ever uttered. It's pretty fantastic. Uh, But, you know, he's always worried that, like, oh, the villain's monologuing so that he can buy time for his evil plan to happen. So you've got to shoot them. You can't let the monologue. It's like that's not, but that's not the type of story we're playing, you know. Like, if you were monologuing, my villain would wait for you. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a, I mean, there's a hefty, a healthy amount of respect that you have to have as a player. Yeah. To pause your character long enough to allow the story to exist. Yeah. Otherwise, it's not a story. You're playing a board game or a video game, mm-hmm. and at that point, because of that, you don't care. You've lost your care for the for the writer. Yeah, I mean, we see it when we watch game reviews. Mm-hmm. Somebody will plow through a game, you know, and complain about that that it was that it was shallow, only to say that they never watched a single cutscene and they don't know anything about the story. They just felt like the gameplay was shallow. Oh, I saw a lot of that with Elden Ring. Yeah, yeah, and it was like. There's there's literally thousands of hours of lore in that. I don't understand this story at all. Did you read any of the item descriptions? No. Did you talk to any of the NPCs? No. I don't think there's any tea left, buddy. I'm sorry. It's okay. I got a whole thing of water waiting for me. Uh, um, but that's the thing is, is yeah. that if you don't do that, you are showing that you don't care about the writing. You don't care about the audio. If you, you... never stop to smell the roses, you don't get to complain about the roses not smelling good. Exactly. Or looking good or even being part of the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, likewise, though, like with tabletop, with like video game mechanics not translating to, to, oh, to RPGs. Um, like this was another hard learned lesson for me. Uh, like it's very tempting to look at a video game and say like, 
oh, I want to tell that type of story. I'm going to try to adopt that video game mechanic or something like that. You know, I recently saw a discussion online that was like um, about playing like a zombie survival horror. You know, uh, and it was like, oh, I want to have like health meter and like stress meter and oh, like yeah, yeah. Uh, thirst and you know, et cetera, et cetera. And it's like, well, first off, what do you mean by meters? And second off, like that sounds like a lot of micromanaging. You know, because like, wasn't it like, uh, you know, uh, why can't you know if things look great on paper? You know, are, are exciting on paper, but they don't work out in practice with the players. It's yeah, like, that sounds horrific on paper. Yeah, the, the 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 thread was the thread was what are what are ideas for campaigns you've had that worked that looked good on paper but sucked in practice? And, and then that was their example. And the, the yeah, and he was like, yeah, I'll go, I'll go first. I wanted to do this survival horror thing, and uh, someone was like, uh, Hey, OP, uh, I don't I don't mean to be a jerk or anything like that, but this sounds horrible on paper too. Like what? What part of you thought this was fun, you know? Yeah, and maybe they were a board game person to start with. And I, I think the the important thing to remember is, like, if you if you're one of those people, and and like me, like me, absolutely, I'm raising my hand right now because I am part of this crowd. I wrote this one down for a reason because mm-hmm. it is something I wish I knew. I wish somebody had sat me down and told me this, even a handful of years ago. Mm-hmm. Is that if you like get done playing a video game and you're like i want to replicate this experience in my tabletop game Mm -hmm. okay you need to realize a couple things first off a lot of tedious bookkeeping does not a better game make 100 percent agree it's you can add a lot of detail and be like oh it's so detailed so detailed but you have to remember that it works in a video game because a video game is crunching all those numbers Mm -hmm. i am bad at math okay (laughs) The moment you start asking me to add double-digit numbers together on any sort of frequent basis, I'm like, I'm out. Yeah. I love Savage Worlds because plus two is a gigantic modifier. Yeah. It is huge mm-hmm. modifier. Minus one is crippling. Yeah. You know? Um, and uh, I guess, God, I just don't like math, you know? Um well, it's not that you don't like math. It's that it, it creates a cumbersome point. It's it's my brain does not chew on numbers well. Right. I have amazing spatial relations. I can close my eyes and envision things in picturesque three D full you know color quality and stuff of like that just in my mind's eye. You ask me to add two two digit numbers together, and I will struggle. Yeah. But that's not to say that there aren't people out there who live for spreadsheets. There's mm-hmm. a there's a whole community that Absolutely. loves Eve Online. Absolutely, the, the the spreadsheet of sci-fi games. But just keep in mind that that's not everybody, mm-hmm. and that video game mechanics work because computers do all that calculation for you. Mm-hmm. And if you have to do it by yourself manually on a piece of paper, it is tedious. Yes. Um, it's okay to draw inspiration from things, but understand what you're trying to represent and try to do that within your rules rather than creating a bunch of, a bunch of new tedium and stuff like that. Agreed. Now I'm going to step away from this just a little bit, but not completely. And that is, is that one of the best things that I could have taught myself was that player engagement, character engagement is more important than your story. Yeah. Now, I'm not going to put quotes for a star on that at all. I I kind of started to do that in the show sheet, but the more I think about it, the more I can honestly say that it's true. And that is because there are multiple people at that table who are all engaging. Mm-hmm. And they're not going to engage with your story 
unless there is something there for them. Mm-hmm. Something for them to latch onto. They're not a pawn that you're moving as the storyteller. Nor are you a hull for them to walk through. Yeah. Yeah. You are both creating the tapestry together. And the only way to do that is to have everybody there and present. So if there is something that you're presenting to your to your players, and I say players, it has to be with that it feels like your story. And then they then attach to it. Mm-hmm. And then go with what they attach with. If your story is about a story of struggle, right? And your vision in your mind is that I, I'm going to put my players in this war-torn area and the war is going on around them. They're not going to be able to influence that. It's it's about how they survive, whether they survive harshly or whether they survive as a group or whether they, you know, they're, they're, there's, there's a psychological struggle there, but it's it's their survival of getting from point A to point B. Like that's the story I'm telling. That's it. Real simple, straightforward. You know, if your players then latch on to a part of the battle and they're interested in defending something, a town, whatever, by themselves, because you said that they were going to get pushed out of an area because the invading force was coming in. They're like, no, we're going to pick up arms and defense with these people. Mm-hmm. Lean the hell into that. Yeah. Let them tell that story. Change your mind. It's no longer that survival story. Yeah. It Clearly, is now this, this is, is what they want. Your characters. your characters have just told you what they want out of your story. Exactly. And I saw so many vampire LARPs that were a vision. Yeah, yeah. Like almost every vampire LARP that I went to was a vision of a movie. Mm-hmm. And it was like, you knew what this was going to be like from beginning to end. Why... What what agency is left in this? I've been at tables before, um, not even Vampire LARP, but just straight up storytellers who just, uh, like, you could tell they were trying to tell a story that didn't involve the characters. It was almost like we were spectators to the NPCs who were actually having the story. Yes. And it's like, what you want to do is write a book. Yeah. And, and I respect that. It's good to have a story to tell. You're probably a wonderful author. Mm-hmm. Go write a book. But I don't have a horse in this race. Yeah. Because all the things are happening to that NPC you wrote. Yeah. And they're having a hell of an adventure. Yeah. One of the one of the neatest things that I did read that I thought was a neat way of doing it was somebody wanted to do a Harry Potter story. Mm-hmm. They're like, we're going to do it at Hogwarts. It's happening effectively during this book. You all know the events that are going on in that book. Those events are unchanged. Where do you guys want to be? Where do you want to start the story? Mm-hmm. And it's like, let's start at the beginning of the year. Okie dokie. Mm-hmm. Like, you as players know the events. There is no question what the me- what the actual plot line going on in the background is. What is the story you want to tell? And then just leaned into it. I find that incredibly difficult to do. Um from a player standpoint just simply because if you tell me that the events of the world are unchangeable and inexorable what am i doing there right and i agree i what, completely what agree. agency do i have in your story right you know so it but but i mean hey if you can pull it off as a storyteller and you've got the right group for it by all means i'm not i'm not trying to poo poo that type of story i'm just saying is that that's the, the 
the issue I have with it. Right. You know? But I think one of the best parts about it was like it made me think of the people who do time periods. Mm -hmm. Like we are we are doing this during the you know eighteen hundreds. You know during this part of France. You know during this particular conflict. Yeah, those are those are larger scale than Hogwarts. No, so, I agree. You know, I agree. That's and but. Again, that gives your players the setting, gives your players everything that's going on, and they're comfortable with it. And we are f we are focused down to what do we want? Mm -hmm. What's like I am comfortable because all I cared about was the world. Yeah, yeah. Show me where you know. Show me where you want to make an impact. Right, right. What kind of character do you want to have? And th and that starts a great engagement point. Mm -hmm. But it allows them to sit down together to do that. Yeah. And I think a lot of, like the uh, um. Apocalypse does it really well, where you build your city, you build what's going on in the city. Yep. They know the events and everything, and they know each other. They know how each other works, you know, is connected. Um, we talked about, um, in the last game, building a crew. Yeah. How the crew works together mm -hmm. is a whole other thing. Like, what, what keeps them together? Why are they doing And what's the mission? Yeah. What's the crew mission? I think that those types of things are the kind of engagement points that you should strive to find. Yeah, absolutely. Build your world, but let your players run in it. Absolutely. And keep feeding them. Be be that good boobula and <laughs> keep putting food on the table. And I think that brings us to our last our last yes. point pretty excellently, and that is talk about your story with your players. I think this goes back to our, 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 our almost our very first episode, which is communication is key. Yeah. When I when I first started, and I, I still think there's a prevailing attitude about this because judging by like Reddit conversations I see and stuff like that, um, where uh, everything is very hush hush, and especially nowadays with like Behind the, the Shield, Marvel know. movies being the big thing and spoiler culture, where like they don't even let their actors know what scene they're acting on. They're just alone against a green screen and we'll composite everything later you know mm -hmm. um it's a miracle that any of that works but uh amazing uh, actors with great vision i guess um but you know when i when i got into gaming all those you know 25 years ago or whenever it was mm -hmm. um storyteller did not discuss the game with players because everything had to be a big surprise you mm -hmm. know oh i got this plot twist oh we don't don't talk about them you don't want to sneak up on them you, you don't want you know because if you told them what was going on they would come up with a way to circumvent it because mm -hmm. it's this real adversarial player versus DM. You had to yep. sneak up on them. You had to bait them into a trap to get your plot to happen. Mm -hmm. And I just don't think it's like that anymore. Yeah, why does everything have to be a Poirot mystery? Yeah, it do and, and it doesn't. And I wish someone would have just told me that because a long time ago, I'd have just started talking to my players. You know, mm -hmm. some of the most productive DMing storytelling I have ever had has been this Tamriel Savage Worlds game that I'm doing because I'm a blabbermouth about it. Yeah. Because I constantly engaging with my with my with my players like, you know, hey, you know, I've got this idea for the story moving forward and the next act is gonna involve X, Y, and Z. Oh haha, I don't wanna do that. Well, why don't you wanna do that? Oh, it's super dangerous. It's actually not. There's far worse places you could be going where you're going is mysterious and alien, mm -hmm. but it's not dangerous. Yeah. I mean, in the traditional sense, you know, it's it's dangerous because it's alien and unknown. It's dangerous. But but <laughs> but not dangerous because things will eat your face there, you know, right, around right. every corner. Oh, OK. I'm a little more chill about it. Cool. Also, I'm not sending you there to die. Yeah. Also, I'm not sending you there to die. We're having an adventure. Right. Also, 
we're playing with the Heroes Never Die special rule. What are you afraid of? Right. Literally, what's the worst that can happen to your character? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nothing. Oh. Okay, yeah, now I'm more chill about it. Cool. Do you want to go on an adventure? Yeah. Awesome. What do you feel yeah. about this? What are your character's emotions on this, you know, on this thing? And the reason I have these conversations with, with my players is because I want to find out what they want out of my story. Mm-hmm. You know, like you said, player engagement is the biggest important thing. Yeah. The best way to find out how to engage your players is ask them, mm-hmm. what do you want out of my story? And they may not they may not be able to explicitly tell you, I want X, Y, and Z. I'm looking to tell this particular type of story. Lots of players aren't going to be able to articulate that. Mm-hmm. You need to read between the lines. Okay, if a character tells you, like, a great example was when we did our, our rebuild session zero uh, in July. Yes, yes, so the, the had, start of second act two. Yeah. yeah, so we had we had done we had done uh, some some new Savage World stuff. We just switched game systems. I was new to it. They were yes. new to it. Everything like that. So we finished the, that little side story about the vampires in the sewers, mm-hmm. and then I said, okay, this is a break point in the campaign. Everybody gets to remake their characters. Mm-hmm. Change whatever you want, no questions asked, as long as it fits within the points that, you know, you're changing, you know, reduce a skill by one to add another one to another skill or, you know, whatever. Like yeah, that. and that it leans into your character. Because time has changed. Time has moved. And we had this great discussion about what all of our characters' motivations were. And there was a moment after everybody was talking mm. about what they what they were like, well, well I, I kind of come from this history, but I'm looking to accomplish this. Oh, well, I'm, I come from this history, and I'm looking to accomplish this. And I'm like, wow. All of you guys have control issues. Yeah, power dynamic issues. all feel like you have been out of control of things, and you are all seeking power so you can seize control of things. Yeah. And never be on, on, you know, anything but the lead dog ever again. Yeah. And I wouldn't have realized that about my characters. That's an important character point. That's Mm -hmm. an important character motivation. Well, it's important for your, especially for players who don't get the time to examine their characters. Like, how often do you yeah. really get to sit down and examine the person you're playing? Yeah, just have an out-of-character discussion about them. Yeah. You know? Uh, you've you've realized a lot of things about your own character's motivations. You know, we had a great discussion about that just earlier today, you know? Yeah, I, 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 I'd taken the time to start examining myself as I'd seen other other characters in our group really examine themselves. And I said, okay, let's – my character's one of the older characters, like, physical mm-hmm. age-wise. What history does he have that – that brought him to this point. Like, I know where his mind is now. Yeah. How did he get here? Yeah. Like, what's, how did I get myself to this point? What's that journey look like, and where, what is his trajectory moving forward? Okay, now that I've got this, what's the next thing you do? Tell your storyteller. Mm-hmm. Because your storyteller wants to tell you a good story. Right. Wants they, to include you. They want to include you. They want to engage you. And at the end of the day, I want... I want my story to get out there, but I want you guys to have a great adventure along the way. I'm not mm-hmm. looking to kill you or trip you or track or you know trick you or yep. anything like that. I want you to have fun. Yep. And if you sit there and tell me for 15, 20, 30 minutes about my character's got X, Y, and Z motivations and what I'm trying to do with them is this, I may not hand it to you on a silver platter. Yep. I'm going to make you fight for it, but I know what goal you're going for, so I know to include it in the game so you can fight for it. Yeah, some someone will show up. And it Something will, be, will show up. Exactly, and it will be satisfying when you get it because you told me you wanted it. And it can still be a surprise. It can yeah. still be something. I mean, we say it. At Christmas time, you get presents as a child. Your parents needed to know what the hell you wanted. What someone do you want had for to Christmas? know. Yeah. Right? But is it still any less wonderful when you receive it? 
It's awesome. No, it's awesome. It's awesome. And I, I, I think that in that sense, you as a story can be a Santa, a, a, a Kringle, and bring gifts to your players. Exactly. By finding out what the heck they want. I just, you know, keep it PC. They don't have to sit on your lap. <laughs> All right. We have great Discord questions. We have great questions, yes. And I, I think we should dive into those. We absolutely should. All right. So uh, do you want to start with Nevum or do you want to start with our new listener, Paradiddle? I love I love that name, by the way. Well, Par- let's, Paradiddle. So uh, let's, let's leave Paradiddle to the end because I have right. a reason for that. Okay, okay, okay. okay. Um, but let's go with Nevum. All so, right. Shoot away. Nevum asks uh, a, a barrage of questions, as usual. Uh, as a new GM, what are my main purposes for my first few game sessions? So, if I go back to our heart of our discussion here, mm-hmm. which is what I should have known, I would say the main purpose for your first few game sessions should be discovering your players and engaging them. Start that investment early. Find out what they're interested. Listen to... Give them bits and pieces. Start out something simple. Just give them a small view of your world. Yeah. Something easy. We always talk about the the milk run. But, like, after the milk run, just start letting them, you know, giving them little exploration paths in the world. And then find out what they latch on to. You don't have to unveil your giant super plot. Let, like, you shouldn't even have a giant super plot at that point. It should be just something that's sitting there in the open. I agree. I agree. Um, I, I think your, your your purpose is twofold. Like you said, engaging your players. Um, first off, uh, I think your players getting to know each other. Uh, or should I should say your characters getting to know each other because your players may, may already know each other. Well, maybe yeah. they don't. Maybe maybe it's also the players. But one way or another, the characters need to get to know each other. Um, even if you've written backstories that say we've you know we've been adventuring together for years, you haven't actually been adventuring together for years. This is mm-hmm. your game for a session, so you need to build that camaraderie and find out how other players are going to play their characters, so you can lean into it and build that chemistry between the the adventuring party. Um, the second thing, uh, like Rob was saying, is uh, give them give them a sampler platter mm-hmm. of. I think a sampler platter, that's actually a very good analogy um, of your world's lore. Mm -hmm. Okay. Give them a few chicken wings. Give them a few mozzarella sticks, a few slices of quesadilla, you know, just a little sprinkling here and there of just a few little bite-sized things so that they can see like, okay, well, what's going on with these ancient dragons? Oh, you would like to chase after ancient dragons. Cool. Click here if you'd like to know more about ancient dragons. Yeah, basically. And you can, you know, see what they, see what they pick up. If they devour the mozzarella sticks but don't touch the chicken wings, guess what you're serving, you know? Yep. Um, Make sure you have lots of ranch. Exactly. <laughs> so uh, I, I think your first couple game sessions should be just giving them those little bits of lore, getting them to know the world without immediately hitting them with the, the world is ending, now you guys need to save it. Yep. You know? Yep. I mean, unless your plot... Unless your story is short, at which point, you know, I am telling a tale. I've told my players, this is the tale. It is about an an, an empire that is pr- oppressive and horrific, and you are here to help a rebel uh, princess escape. Mm-hmm. She needs to leave the country. Okay, that's the story. That's it. Okay. Cool. Star Wars. Let's do it. We're we're, we're gonna do a we're gonna do a section of Star Wars. Yep. Fantastic. Yep. All right, how does this unfold? And then at that point, your first few episodes are still, how do they want to play the game? Mm-hmm. Are they sneaking everywhere? Are they being overt and, and brash and heroic? Are they trying to seduce 
everything. Yeah, I mean, there are all kinds of ways that people can get involved in a game. Figure out what their where their leaning is and lean into it with them. Mm-hmm. Let them be that 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 version of the story. Yeah, that's yeah. it. So next question. Oops, <laughs> oops, I did it again. No, oops, I noticed I've told some wrong lore. I've wrongly run some aspect of the system. What should I do? Uh, I think there are two different problems, actually. I, I do agree with that. Uh, I think the first one is not a problem. I've wrongly told some of the lore. Um, There are three things I can respond to this. First off, unreliable narrator. Sometimes yep. the lore you get is wrong. Mm-hmm. I've been told all sorts of BS throughout my life that is not true. Mm-hmm. Um, So maybe, you know, your NPC who told them was just lying or was just misinformed. Yep. Um, if you want to correct it, later they find someone who's a scholar or something like that, and they tell them the correct lore. Mm-hmm. Um, and Loki rib them for knowing the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, you believe that? Yeah. You believe that? I got a bridge to sell you. Uh, or uh, you can just straight up correct yourself. Hey, guys. Sorry. I realized last game session I told you that that mountain was there because of X, Y, or Z. It's not. It's actually a different mountain that I was thinking of. That's a normal mountain. Yep. Bosh. Done. Done. Yep, yep. Um, or you can think if there is a way that you can make what you said true. Because they don't know. Because they don't know. They don't know you've done anything wrong. Maybe that one monster that you accidentally gave wings to, who shouldn't have wings in certain circumstances does yeah literally happened in my game Mm -hmm. dark seducers aren't supposed to be able to fly technically older versions of the games they were succubi until they turned them into dark seducers those did have wings so they had to come up with some lore to reconcile that because they did the same thing i did now all of a sudden they don't fly what gives oh uh those other ones were mercenaries if they work in a certain daedric realm for long enough they get wings yeah okay cool yeah Worf looking at old old uh, uh, versions of himself in Star War and Star Trek. What? Why do they look like that? Those are Klingons. We don't talk about it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like okay, okay, and and that's the thing is that you can do that. Now, as far as running an aspect of the system wrong, just apologize and adjust and move on. Yeah, you made we a, make you made a ruling. We do it all the time. Yeah, yep. Like, oh, I did grapple wrong last time. Sorry. This is how it's supposed to be played. Mm-hmm. It makes sense, and it works a lot better that way. Let's keep doing it from that way forward. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's – I felt I, – I always feel it is better to just, as a storyteller, fall on your sword and move on. Your rule still applied at that time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's And that's the important thing. Like, we've done this a handful of times with Savage Worlds yes. being a new system to all of us where I have literally just said, I don't know, but my table ruling is this. We'll look it up later. Yep. Just move on. Yep. Don't don't fret and sweat the little things. Yes. Keep the story going. Yes. Next one, since there's so many and they're wonderful. Uh, what game? Uh, am I? Yep. Yeah. What game aspect, system, lore, etc. Uh, should I look into to know whether the game is for me or not? Uh, I think it's kind s- of a two-parter. I think system probably more than lore because lore you can change to adjust what you need. I agree. Um, I I think. The core mechanics are important, but I think what it's what the story. Regardless, what is the system trying to tell you? Is it a heroic system? Yeah. Is it a tragic yeah. system? 
It is, is it a stressful system? What is the system trying to do? What type of story is the system trying to facilitate you telling? Exactly. Uh, and so it's, it's not something that a lot of systems are going to be terribly explicit about. So you do kind of have to do some reading between the lines, you know, mm -hmm. if you find a lot of rules, like, uh, we looked at the SCP, mm -hmm. uh, uh, thing for a, for a system spotlight, um, what, right after it came out. And it was like, there were rules for like readying your weapon, whether you're firing from the hip, whether you've got your weapon raised or whether you've got your weapon braced, mm -hmm. how many shots do you take? Because with each shot you incur recoil, mm -hmm. it's like, look. This game is not going to tell you that it is trying to be an accurate combat sim, mm -hmm. but it is. Mm -hmm. Okay, agreed, <laughs> agreed. And and it's and because of that, it is going to be deadly. It is going to be dangerous, mm -hmm. and it's going to feel monotonous. Yes, you know, seven C to reload a gun takes a long time, mm -hmm. but those guns are very dangerous. Don't I know it. So, it's trying to tell you that this is a dangerous game when it comes to that, but everything else is exceptionally heroic. Mm -hmm. Guns are finalities. It is the it is the one MacGuffin kind of in the game that when it comes out, people should be concerned. Yep. Now, they're not terribly accurate at range and things like that, but in the Maybe right yours hands... Are. Get well soon. Right. <laughs> but in the right hands, as you proved, they are straight up deadly. Yep. So when people die, it's concerning. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the turnaround on this was, uh, to turn the question, are there some games or game types you should avoid as a new storyteller? Uh... I'd like to say yes, there are some that you should probably avoid, but I'm going to flat out say no. Because you will figure out what works for you and what doesn't, and what works for your group and what doesn't. And you are part of your group. Always remember that. Your group may love the minutia and the detail, and you may not. And that makes that makes certain games that are just going to be painful for you. On the other hand, you might love tables and charts and, and the depth of Palladium's percentiles, and your players may not. So you may have to, you as the storyteller may have to run a lighter version of Palladium when you play. And not include all the rules. But as a storyteller, maybe you lean into it more. There's a whole aspect to some games that sits behind the screen. And I say that in, in, a, in the gray sense of what the storyteller can do. And what they have access to. It doesn't mean you have to use it all. You can choose to use what's important to engage your players. So my first answer is, are there, at least for me... Are there games you should avoid? I will say no. I think a few years ago I would say avoid anything with super crunch. Because you're you're just never going to feel confident that you understand the game. But at this point, no. Try it. You may find out that there are aspects you love about it. Then go try a different thing by the same group. Maybe after 10 years of game design they created something new that was really kind of cool. Because I assure you, if we went back to core D&D &D and said... You know what? I'm never going to play D&D because I don't like this. 5th edition is light years difference from it. So I think in that aspect it's you you have to you have to be able to look at things and you have to be able to accept that they can change and that you can grow and there are some older systems that are a lot of fun. What do you think? That was a far better answer than I was going to give. 10 okay. out of 10, I have no notes. I yield the rest of my time. Fair enough. <laughs> um Next question. Uh, neither I nor my players uh, 
have played a tabletop game. Oh, no, no, sorry. Neither I nor my players to be. It was just weird. Ah, weird got word. it. Neither I nor my players to be have played tabletop RPGs. What easy tips should I follow for my first game session? Oh, good question. Um, Look, we're all we all start off bumbling around in the dark. Yep. Clearly, if you're starting to if you're, if you're pulling out a tabletop RPG, you probably have some basis for how it's going to go. Mm-hmm. Don't worry about it. Like yeah. literally, your first game session, especially if everybody at the table, including the storyteller, is a newbie, is going to be just bumbling fun. You're going to do a bunch of stupid stuff. You're all going to have a bunch of giggles about it, mm-hmm. and you're not going to tell a serious story. There's not going to be any like huge dramatic moments or you know any great sweeping arcs and stuff like that. You're probably going to go you know kill some goblins in a mine and. The bard is going to try to sleep with one of the goblins, and he's going to end up <laughs> taking it back to the bar and then rolling a nat 20 in his persuasion check to tell the innkeeper that it's really his wife, and hilarity is going to ensue. And then you're all going to go home at the end of the night going, that was super fun, can we do it again? Right. I think the other aspect of it for me is a, a good tip is if you're unsure about something mm-hmm. try it pull out some dice talk about this talk about a scene that would include a mechanic yeah. or something and just play around with it in front of the table don't tell a story just try it yeah see see, see yeah. how it works mm-hmm. let everybody talk about it openly that removes the fear yeah if relax you and explore i think is the big the exactly. big piece of advice here yeah exactly don't don't just tear off the band-aid or tear off the opening of the thing and expect everyone to ooh and ah and it to be perfect. Yeah. And that if it's not, everyone stresses out. Don't do that. Don't try to be Matt Mercer on, on session one. Exactly. Engage your players before you even get into the game and start exploring what they might enjoy about it and talk about it. And yeah. let what you – because you're stepping in as a storyteller. You're the one who's really excited. Mm-hmm. More excited probably than anyone else. Let that excitement flow in the sense of how can I show you? How can we do this together and make this a fun experience before we step into something that now makes it a little stressful? Yeah. The The other piece of advice I would be uh, is, is regardless of any rules or story that's going on, read the vibe at the table. Always. Always read the vibe at the table. If If your players are just there to have goofy fun, don't try to push them into a serious story. If your players are trying to be serious – don't try to lead them into a goofy story. Mm-hmm. Um, if your players get enthusiastic about something, follow that enthusiasm. Yep. You know, um, I, there have been several times where I just wanted to get in, get the procedural stuff. Like, okay, you get into a new town, check into the inn. Cool. The adventure's not here in the in the, in in the city. Mm-hmm. And you guys just were just like, okay, we're gonna go find the seediest bar in town, mm-hmm. and we're gonna do mischief yeah. when we get there. And I'm like. Okay, vibe at the table is we're going to do mischief in a bar. <laughs> yep. No, I agree. I, I, didn't, agree. I didn't want to sp- focus a lot on the city, but here we are. <laughs> Following up that, I think this is the, the, the last question I said is, are session zeros, X cards, and the like something for a new GM? Yes, yes, 100% and yes. yes. Start yes, yes, yes. off right. Start off with good habits, yep. setting, making your, your table a safe space for everyone to play at, making sure that everybody's on the same page in the session zero. Mm-hmm. Making sure that expectations are set and reinforced throughout your gameplay. Yes, absolutely. 100%. Every new storyteller should be trying to do a session zero. Should include some form of an X card mechanic that players can speak up if they are uncomfortable. This is just good 
interpersonal skills. Yeah, and it shows that you care for your players yes. and that they care for each other. Yes. That there's trust at the table. Yes. Yep, 100%. Paradiddle. So, so, so throw these questions out there because I have my answers for both of them at the same time. Paradiddle. Uh, mm, I, I think one of them gets answered. All right, all right. All right. Paradiddle. One of our new listeners asks, uh, how do you start and and end a story arc? Well, that's very funny um, because our next episode is actually about beginnings and endings. How to begin an arc <laughs> and end an arc. So thank you, Paradiddle. We're already doing a show for you, that you one. Will so, get, you will get over an hour of, yeah, of that If, you, of if that you've answer. got specific questions that you'd like to break down in there, by all means, throw them into for questions. We'd love to have them. Absolutely. All right. So the second question, uh, how do you present your world to your players in game. Now we we kind of addressed this a little earlier. A little bit, yeah. But in short, um, I, I know you've got a few things here. So, uh, so uh, how do you present your world to players in game? Is uh, two main things. First off, one bite at a time. Only show them what's in front of them. Mm -hmm. Okay. It does not matter what the thousand years of history of this kingdom are. It does not matter what the lore of that mountain that they can see over there is, etc., etc. Mm -hmm. You. You don't need anything other than where are they, what's going on, where they are, and you can build on that as necessary. That way you don't have to write too terribly much, and they don't get drowned in information and overloaded. Yep. They can focus on what's in front of them, why it's important that this village is doing a harvest festival or whatever. You know, that's it, period. Yep. They're in that village. That's what matters. Um, <laughs> but at the same time, do it organically. Don't lore dump. Don't read them a wiki page and mm -hmm. expect them to absorb all of that. Or Don't... hand them a wiki page. Or hand them a wiki page. Or give them a PowerPoint presentation. Like, nobody absorbs that stuff. Hmm. Okay, anybody who works a corporate job knows that that stuff goes in one ear and out the other. Mm -hmm. um, what you want to do is do it organically. Okay? That lore is part of your world. It is a living, breathing thing that is part of the culture, part of the scenery. Mm-hmm part of the events that are unfolding and that's how you get your lore like back to the the the, the harvest right mm -hmm. you know they go into a town to get repairs up before they head into the cave which is a two days journey away right sure and so they're going to stay there for the night at the blacksmith the blacksmith could literally be working with them be like you sticking around town for the festival Oh, there's a festival going on? Yeah, it's a harvest festival. You, oh, you don't get this? Oh, you must be city slickers, not you know, not from this part of town. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, you know what? Hey, if this is your first harvest festival, starts putting reed, flower wreaths on their heads. Yeah, like, yeah. oh, hey, cool. Yeah. You chill about it. Exactly. And what's with the flower wreaths? And now you get to answer a question. You know? Yeah. You know, or or even have like other people answer the question, like you know, like what's with the wreaths, and have a kid who doesn't quite know, mm -hmm. like be like, well, I'm not too sure. I know it's something from the past about this certain flower that used to grow here, but it doesn't grow here anymore. It only grows up in the mountains. Yeah. Oh, okay. You know, now now you know something else, and there's some question about maybe where you're heading. Yeah, exactly, exactly, and all these little things will just happen it will just unfold and your players will get to know this living breathing world without having to read a wikipedia page yep done yep and that that is that is that is 10 out of 10 the right everything that needs to be said about that yep <laughs> there we agree. go so yeah so as next said, so as paradiddles requested 
<laughs> we're just happening to do that next week. It's it's clearly Paradiddle's fault. Uh, well, believe it or not, believe it or not, I know you're joking about. I'm that. joking. I'm joking. Uh, actually, plans for a while. But, but. Uh, no, you know who actually tucked that into uh, into our to do list is uh, Knox in the Box. Really? Yeah, that was a uh, um, at our top Patreon tier. Um, uh, drop submissions into our uh, 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 into our contributor channel, and uh, we will do a uh, do a show on them if we can feasibly work them. So, uh, thank you for Knox in the Box for the uh, uh for the suggestion. We will be uh taking care of that post haste. Uh, anyway, you can find us on Twitter at st underscore conclave on Instagram at st underscore conclave. Listen to us live every Wednesday night, 7 p.m. Eastern time on mixlr.com slash storyteller dash conclave. And join us up on our Discord. Uh, shoot us some of these great questions, just like Paradiddle and, uh, uh, and Nevum did. Um, you can find that link on our Twitter as well as our website, storytellerconclave.com. We'd like to thank our Patreon members every month who assist us, especially our name members, Knox in the Box, Subjet, Sam, the Arcane Asylum, Sparkle Motion Veteran, Hulavu, and Sean. We really appreciate all your support. Our pre-show music is by Arcane Anthems. You can find that at patreon.com slash arcaneanthems. Our intro music is Beyond the Warriors by Geefrog. You can find that at geefrog.bandcamp.com or on Google Music. And our outro music, which is Only Our Footprints in the Sand by Midair Machine, you can find that at freemusicarchive.org. Big shout-out, as always, to our families, Vicky and Sean. Thank you so much for loving and supporting us. Thank you. All of our friends who have sat with us at our tables over the years to give these great stories to share with you and all this experience. And you, every single one of our listeners, we love you so much. Love you guys. Good night. Good night.